Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to first. Dave the Alcadron Vader, how's your week, buddy? My week is really good. I got to play some PDH over this weekend with some very good friends. Mm-hmm. I nice. I acquired the Warhammer Grixis deck. I love it dearly. I that's have the one you wanted, right? That's the one I wanted. Yeah, and I pre-ordered it. It was definitely going to be that one. Uh, oh, okay. And I I got it, and it is incredible looking. I'm very excited about it. And then I to celebrate, I put together in paper the popper deck I had designed using one of the Warhammer new uncommon creatures, and I got to play a game oh, with nice. that deck. And it was really profoundly stupid, and I loved it a lot. Uh, so it was fun, stupid, not just. Bad oh, stupid. it was both. Yeah, and I I built a deck using Sicarian Infiltrator. That's awesome. That mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, and I it's got like thirty five lands, twenty rocks, and then just like a a small pile of interaction, which is mostly bounce, mm-hmm. so that I can bounce the Sicarian right. Infiltrator. And like I the, the game went kind of long. Like on turn fifteen, I think I tapped. After spending the first part of my turn, like, casting a couple rocks and, like, mm-hmm. bouncing my commander, I spent the rest of my 25 mana to cast Sakarian <laughs> Infiltrator and make 11 copies of it and draw 12 cards. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> was, that, is, that does sound stupid fun. Yeah, I was... And then, yeah, like, at that point... When I, I was up to, I think by then, I think I was up to 36 co- token copies of Sicarian Infiltrator. That's when I drew mm-hmm. Sunken City and won the game. Oh, it was beautiful. It was, uh, felt really good. I, uh, you, you gotta love a Sunken City win. Right? Like, that's the only win con that deck has. <laughs> like, <laughs> you hope to draw the Sunken City. So, yeah, it was a very good time. Yep. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Warhammer 40k podcast episode, definitely go listen to that. It's good, good, high quality stuff. Yeah, it is. We give all our thoughts, make some picks for decks, that sort of thing. I'm glad to hear that you actually built one in paper. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about doing that recently, too. So, And my Walmart still has two or three of the 40K decks on the shelves. Oh, so very nice. I've been waffling whether or not to pick it up. They had the, the Necrons and the Esper one, and I can't remember the other one. Maybe it was the Grixis one. Tyranids and Demons are the other two. Yeah. So I've been waffling whether or not to just go get one, but I'm not sure yet. I think you should. I think they're incredible, and like I'll probably talk myself. I'm just I'm encouraging other people to buy the deck so that I can like I don't like EDH anymore, but I like Mm -hmm. these decks, and I want to accumulate like enough friends that all have copies of these specific precons that I can get like a Warhammer precon game going like that. Yeah, like unadulterated. Yeah, yeah. just like on yeah unedited Warhammer precon. One one of each faction. Let's go. Like that seems like a really yeah, I think good time. We actually talked about that on that episode. Is, yeah. is us getting together with a fourth person and playing some precons? We absolutely should. Yeah, I'm totally down with that. Yeah, buy, go go, right, well, go to Walmart. Buy a oh, deck. Go ahead. I, damn it, I might have to now. You gotta. It's the rules. I don't make the rules. <laughs> Them's the rules. All right, let's check out some other rules with our resident PDH PhD Liam. How was your week? Uh, my week was 
pretty great. And it honestly, I think today was the highlight of the last week. So that's pretty solid. Was this the tweet you put out? The big, the big important school tweet? Yes. Professional tweet? Yeah. The, the TLDR of the tweet is, dude I had never met before, is the district coordinator for my content area. And, you know, I'm a month into my internship and he made a 45 minute one way drive to personally talk to me about a position that he wants me to intern for. So I don't know, you know, it sent me into a thought spiral for the day. I don't know uh, <laughs> how I really feel about it. Cause I'm like, I'm like, on the one hand, you know, it, it's, it's cool because like, you know, I, I'm being asked to, to personally interview for a position by my future boss's boss. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you know, I'm thinking like, I know there's a teacher shortage, like how desperate is the county right now? But I'm like, but a personal visit isn't something out of, they do out of desperation. That would just be an email. Yeah, exactly. So I'm that like, seems fairly, fairly important. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, this seems like there's, there is a reason this dude is here talking to me right now. And I need to figure out what that reason is. <laughs> So, so I've, you know, been riding that high all day and heck yeah, yeah. Well, that's really cool. It was, it was interesting. Like, like he like, were you expecting it or was it like a I, surprise visit? It was a surprise visit. Like even like my, <laughs> my mentor teacher didn't know he was coming and this Holy dude God. has like the power to fire my mentor teacher on the spot. So it's like, like he's the, he's the content area coordinator for the district. It's, it's insane. That's really cool. It, it was, must be impressing somebody. Someone apparently. Mm-hmm. Maybe they listen to the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be cool, but doubtful. Yeah, yeah, it was. Cool. Yeah, that 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 was, I think, the best end to a week anyone could ask for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congrats on that. Let's hope it leads to bigger and better things. I I hope I hope the future interview does go well. God, yeah, absolutely. Godspeed. Yep. Yeah. Any uh, MTG news, or were you kind of busy with other stuff? Um, MTG news for the week. There's been some secret last stuff poking around in the background that I've not really paid that much attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems I'll like probably... every day I log on to Twitter and someone's posting pictures from a new secret layer yeah. that was spoiled, you know, this day and one spoiled yesterday and like it, exactly. I think I think they go on sale starting next Monday, which means, uh, you know, next Tuesday next week we'll have we'll have the chance to talk about them, but. In relation to this week, I think the only thing that really stuck out to me was the uh, completely botched release weekend for Warhammer and Infinity. Because I, I mean, I know I know Dave was just talking about how good of experience he had, but with Infinity, uh, there is apparently something wrong with the foils. Uh, not and not oh. like talking about the curling situation, mm-hmm. the the stamping situation of the oval stamp versus the acorn. There are apparently there there are foil sheets where that was reversed. There are acorn cards the acorn cards receiving eternal legal oval stamps, and there are oval cards receiving acorn stamps. And we're not talking like we're not talking like you know the uncommon layers no one knows about. We're talking like Jace and Mira. That's fantastic. Um, are, are getting block wow. stamps, and then on I, top of that, the Warhammer decks are being weird. Like there are people who ordered like one case. And for those who don't know, a case of Warhammer decks comes with one of each. Um, so yeah. they're like they ordered a case and they received two Necron decks, or they received two, you know, two of the Grixis decks, uh, and one of the other I decks. Saw, I saw one person post on Twitter. They opened, I think it was the Necron deck, the mono black one, and the deck itself. And this is a fairly reputable Twitter account, so I don't think he was just fishing for for yeah. attention or whatever. 
the the deck itself he opened it up came with zero basic lands and all yep. his singletons were and duplicates i was about to i was about to say that is <laughs> is outside of the the sealed uh debacle of like some cases not having all four decks having a duplicate of one of the decks specifically the necron deck i don't know why it's this one but this is the only one i've seen it with uh it comes with weird allocations so like it'll be like yeah. doubled of all the non-basics uh or there was one necron deck i saw where it had like it had the face commander and like six more copies of it in place of all of the other legends oh my God. there was one i saw where it had like it was like pretty much the whole list but it was one basic short and had a second reliquary tower and i'm like this isn't like one mess up this is like five different mess ups that yeah, all have one repeated yeah. mistake this is like this is like five different cheats were all messed up in a different way um but it's only happened with the necron deck the the other misprint i saw was there there is packaging that shows uh, on the left side of the packaging uh, where they show like a, a black and white uh, grayscale image of the commander, it shows the Grixis mm -hmm. commander. And where the mana symbols are on like where you hang the package, it shows the Grixis mana symbols. But where the face commander etched foil thing is, it shows the Tyranid commander. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that particular mess up like five times. But I'm like, other than that, I don't. That's like, amazing. Like, there's I saw so a couple, many things messed up. I don't think it was the Necron deck. This may have been one of the um, one of the uh, other ones. Obviously, like they were massively miscut, like completely yes, off center. I saw a it completely. Was crazy. I saw a completely miscut uh, Necron deck. I also saw. I think it was the uh, the the Bant deck. Had mm -hmm. had a, a miscut. I think that's the one I saw. Yeah, Esper. Crazy. It was awful. Mm -hmm. Do you mean the Esper deck? I didn't think there was a Bant deck. Uh, is it the Esper deck? Might be the Esper deck. Which one has oh, the token yeah. dude that uh, CEDH is going crazy about? I I don't know anything about CEDH. Oh, I have no idea. I think it might if be you're... the Esper deck. It, but I feel like the Necrons the not, and the Esper deck are the only two I've seen people talk it, about. So. It's the not Grixis humans deck, whichever one that is. So, so the Grixis deck is mostly a starts and... I, I'm probably pronouncing that word wrong. Astartes, whatever, whatever, like the yeah. Chaos Marine people are. Mm -hmm. uh, it's yeah. Ast Astartes and Those demon. are the humans. The, the, humans. the so Esper deck is humans. Humans. Okay. Yeah. And then okay. yeah. Tyranid are Teamer, and Necrons are Mono Black. Mm, it must have been the Esper then. Yeah. My yeah, it was like crazy miscut, like super high. I'm I'm sure she sold it for a bunch. My my Grixis deck was perfect. That's good. And I've, That's good to hear. I don't know how I would feel because I remember when the jumpstart, the the very first jumpstart came out. And do you remember those printing debacles? Like there was double images on the basic lands. Yeah. And all kinds of stuff. Like I don't know how I would, how I would feel if I opened a a premier product and it was messed up like that. I'd be ticked off. Yeah, probably. All right. Well, got any yeah. other forty k or infinity stuff to go over? No, that's that's all I got for this week. How are you doing, Brad? Oh, yeah. myself. I am recovering from game two last night. I played Saravok, <laughs> and it was absolutely atrocious. Oh, like, no. I don't know why that card was printed. <laughs> uh, See, it's got to be the worst card ever made. He's rough. Uh, like, it's so rough. You gotta, like, it, he warps a game in such a way that it's not even the game anymore. Like, you become an instant threat, but no one wants to kill you, the player, because they want the other players to take Saravok damage. It, it's a whole thing. Like I could not, I I think. Well, I did. Saravok did damage 
player for twice, not for a ton, but twice. And but I think I took personally more Saravok damage than, or at least as much, <laughs> as anybody else. <laughs> and player one just had never-ending blood tokens, so I'm like, oh, well, I guess it's not going to go there. Yeah, I've watched. It's just weird to have a a whole deck built around a commander that literally turns off to a treasure token. Yeah, I've I've watched the pals try to play Saravak a lot, and in the pals meta, they have a as as a channel points reward, you can spend something like a thousand or two thousand points to redeem something mm-hmm. called Grumgully's Generosity, where mm-hmm. each player rolls a six-sided die, and based on that result, each player gets either like a treasure, food, blood, shard, clue, some some kind of oh, token that they can okay. sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so every single time John plays his Saravak deck, someone in the chat is like, I know how to ruin that guy's day. <laughs> they oh, just no. do Grumgully's oh, Generosity God. a lot. <laughs> it's oh, it's no. the it's so heartbreaking watching John just suffer eternally. Oh, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, well, the pals told me today, it, with their condolences, they will play Saravak tonight in, in memor- memorandum of me. Good, 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 good. <laughs> yeah. We, I, but other than I'll that, check, it, was, it was good. I will check that out. Yeah, other than that, uh, good weekend. Played some good PDH on Saturday. Game one last night was awesome. It went pretty good. I played a Herd Bailoth deck that i sort of threw together on like friday i took out players two or one and three and then had player four down to like literally two life and then i lost but that was surprisingly good for a mono green deck should bail out the one that goes infinite with ivy lane yes i didn't get to that point but i was creating beasts aplenty because i think in my opening hand or by turn three i had wirewood savage on board oh so every time nice. I, made a token, I drew a card <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it was amazing that's incredible that was the optimal draw that was fun and outside of pdh everything else is going pretty smooth so cannot complain yeah so yeah i think we can move on to our main topic here this was actually a pretty cool topic and it was inspired i think uh liam put out one of his hey listeners send us some q a questions for the show and this one popped up and it sort of turned into something that was a gonna be a little bigger than one or two tweets could answer so we decided to turn it into a show is that is that correct pretty much uh yeah i think i think i kind of pitched it to you guys as a question and then one of you was like we should just do that as a whole like episode topic yeah i was like yeah okay i feel like this this showed up on our show notes like two or three weeks ago and i started to answer it and i was like i will explain wait no there's too much i will sum up (laughs) it's like no let's let's just make a whole show out of this because we can yeah. We can definitely talk about this for an hour. See, that's what we do. We love our listeners. Yeah. yeah. The question in question is, which creature would you like to see downshifted so you can play them in PDH? And we sort of took that as downshifted to the 99, downshifted to uncommon, and then we added our own little third category here, too. So, Liam, do you want to give them sort of the categories that we're going to be listing these cards in? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the first category that we have is three reprints. Uh, these can be reprints in the 99 or reprints in the command zone. Uh, the reason for these reprints would just be cost or bling reasons. So, you know, for example, uh, expensive cards like Oubliette that got a reprint in Double Masters. You know, that, that would have fallen mm-hmm. into this category two years ago. The second category is three downshifts to the 99. Uh, so these would be cards, uh, not necessarily creatures, uh, but but ideally every one of us is bringing at least one creature where they are currently an uncommon. And we'd like to see them down to common. And the third category is one promotion or downshift to the commander spot. 
Uh, so this could be if there's a common feature for whatever reason you really want to put in the command zone, uh, or if there is a rare, which I think we all chose a rare, uh, that we wanted yeah. to downshift to the uncommon rarity uh, so we could play it as a commander. Uh, and again, this does not have to be a legendary creature. Uh, it could be any rare creature that we want to see at uncommon. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah. <laughs> Love it, Dave. Yeah, so I think, I think we can just get started here. Yeah. Do you, I'm first on the list. Do you want me to start, or do you want to, one of you first want to go? Absolutely, Brad. You may start. What okay. are your reprints for cost or bling reasons? For cost or bling, I think two of them. Well, there's one for cost, one for bling, and one for kind of both. I'll start with the kind of both first, and that is Snuff Out. It has had... It's been printed, I think, three times, and it never drops below like five dollars and that's not super bad but you know if it's kind of annoying still to like currently the dual decks garuk versus liliana is 21 dollars. like that is absurd for a common removal spell wait did you say Uh, enough out is 20 dollars yeah the one from the dual deck anthology i guess garuk versus liliana yeah it's 21 dollars the one from the actual dual deck series garuk versus liliana is only 10 dollars, and the original mercadian mask is almost seven that's a recent fight because that was not 20 dollars. yeah it wasn't it wasn't last time i actually looked at snuff out i i've known i've always known it's expensive but the last time i actually looked at it i think that 21 dollar one was around 12 or 13 yeah which is still absurd i think but yeah, so definitely oh, I want like, that. You know, I'd like a foil version of that. You know, I think the foil Mercadian mask is not, like hundred bucks. Well, yeah, yeah, pushing pushing three digits for sure. So I want that for cost and bling reasons because I've never owned a foil one. That's why I bought the foreign language one because I didn't want to pony up for the foil. Another bling option or the bling option would be I, I just really want a foil pestilence that isn't a proxy. You know, yeah. like I see people like. They want one, so they go ahead and print one on their own and make one, and they're beautiful. They look cool as hell, but I want an actual Magic the Gathering, two and two black, deal one damage to everything, Pestilence, Enchant World, or whatever, with foil. Like, Urza's Saga art, or even brand new art, it's fine, too. No, 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 no. Uh-oh. It has to be Kev Walker art. The OG art is ugly. I want Kev Walker 5th edition art in old border... I don't care the about a foil. One, yeah. I want old border Kev Walker 5th edition pestilence art with a black border. Like I oh, I on, I'm kind of awesome. I'm kind of okay with the white borders. Like I I will put white bordered cards into a deck that has a lot of other white bordered cards in it. Like I can't have just one, but I can have like a dozen and I really like that. So like I'm into the 5th yeah. edition pestilence, but like I have a couple decks that don't have any other white bordered cards and I would I would sell. No, is that because you I would sell play limbs. unsleeved and it's easier to see them, or is it just sort of like <laughs> yeah. you know it's the only one? Yeah, I, it feels really out of place when it's the only white bordered card on your field, and okay. I don't like that. I get that and yeah. like also, yeah, sometimes you can see which card is the the white bordered one when you shuffle. Mm-hmm. So, you, like, you need to have a certain critical mass of them so you can't see which one's which. But yeah, it'd be cool with the Kev Walker art in foil. That'd be awesome. I just I just want a foil pestilence. Golly. Can't be too I, much to ask, right? I am I am very partial to the Pete Venter's art from Ozzy Saga. 
I mm-hmm. I think of the I, existing arts, I would like to see that one in full. I was really into that art for a while, and then I figured out what the things were in the background, and I was like, oh, they're a little bit lame. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I just got really into the, the Kev Walker art instead. I'm also just a huge yeah, fan think, for Kev Walker. Well, and the Pete Venters one, it's got the nice sunset in the back, you know, orange mm-hmm. haze everywhere. I think that would look pretty dynamite. Yeah, I, foil, but... I don't think that's a sunset. I think that's just noxious fumes. Just noxious fumes, yeah. They say the smog and, is the reason for such beautiful sunsets. And uh, and witch engines, if you're wondering what's in the background. It's called a witch engine, which is a, a creature that engine. can tap for four black mana at the expense of your opponent gains control of it. Also, it has yep. swamp block, <laughs> so it's unblockable for you. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible Is it card. an uncommon? No, can it, be a commander? it is rare. Oh, damn. All right. And then finally, of my three, this one is... Strictly a cost reason. I don't care if it's in foil or regular, but Tangle. I went to go buy a Tangle for my cube, and it's freaking $10. What? Bro, what? Yep. Tangle. The, 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 here, let me pull it up. The card Tangle. One green, one colorless. It's just the, prevent the all better store club. Combat store damage club, right? would, would be dealt this turn. Attacking creatures don't untap during the controller's next untap, untap step. It was printed in Invasion and a World Championship deck, and that's it. Oh wow! No, see, this is where this is where you just go buy the gold water one for a dollar. Yeah, yeah, it's a buck twenty-five. The invasion one actually came down a dollar since I looked last a few days ago. It is eight dollars and forty-four cents. Brad finding all the like pop-up picks that are obscene. I know it's ridiculous. Just, but I just want just play play Spore Cloud instead and just rock the Fallen Empires-ness. That too, oh, I love it. Spore Cloud love is also it. Spore Cloud is also brutal because. I love Tangle, but I like using Spore Cloud slightly more because if you're not involved in that combat, you just screw two people over, which is oh, because it because it taps the blockers as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's uh-huh. very funny. I like using it like that. Like even if it like even if there's no like clear way I can I can benefit from it, I just like it when someone alpha attacks and someone just uses all their creatures to block, and I'm just like tap them all down, <laughs> get them all, like just all of them. That's awesome. I have not looked at Spore Cloud in a hot minute. That's great. God, God bless being, Fallen Empires. Tangle oh, being that expensive no. upsets me. I hope it gets a reprint. It, it that Dominaria remastered that. I bought some about a year ago for my my popper sixty card, my popper battle box for. And it wasn't that. In fact, I believe or it, um, Turbo Fog. Yeah, and it was like two or three dollars a piece. It was yeah, it was pretty bulk. I remember. Yeah, and now in the last eight to ten, twelve months, they've quadrupled for some reason. Anyway, so I'm looking up on MVP yeah. Goldfish because I'm curious. It was pretty, pretty cheap. MPT yeah. Goldfish, MPT Goldfish hasn't even registered it at ten dollars yet. That's crazy. It still thinks. Yeah, and I was just going through my cube list. I'm like, oh wait, I got Moments piece, but I'd like to add Tangle, so I pulled oh, it wait, up and huh. I was like, holy cow! Wait, that that that's online. I can use MPT Goldfish. Uh, yeah, a year ago at Midnight Hunt Crimson Bout was three bucks. Yep. Even at Capenna, it was five. <sighs> crazy why (laughs) i don't know that pretty much rounds out my three who wants to go next i can take it go for it dave the first and most important card i need to put on the list of things that i want to be reprinted so that they show up in more decks more commonly is a card that would be a pal staple if (laughs) it were more easily available so the the three the the holy trinity of the pals meta is uh scare tiller howling golem and marching duo drone and it absolutely would be a holy quad 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 quadrigy 
Quadrant. <laughs> Trinity, what's what's quadrant? the fourth quadrant? 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 The holy the holy quadrant. quadrilateral. It would be a holy hey, quadrilateral oh, of the PDH Pals meta if Mightstone were not a fifteen dollar card. Yep. So yeah. uh one hundred percent agree. Liam tells me it's on the reserve list. I don't really know what the reserve list is. I trust him, but uh, whatever. <laughs> Make the reserve list go away so I can have Might Stones. <laughs> yes. That's all I'm saying. For a while, I was thinking that Ashnod's Altar was kind of in the same boat here as like one of those really old cards that is just never going to get reprinted. <laughs> in the in the pre-show discussion, Liam reminded me that Ashnod's Altar has been reprinted and is still a $10 card. And is still crazy. So uh, let's get another one of those going. Because it enables combos in every format that it's legal in yeah. yeah the other two cards that i would love th- those those are the those are the two cards that i want reprinted just to bring the price down so i can put them into more decks and yeah. feel less guilty about bridge shuffling them unsleeved <laughs> the other two cards that i want to see reprinted are because i want foil copies of them and those okay. two are curfew and hermetic study i was wondering about this I was so wondering why these two cards <laughs> curfew is so good Cur- yeah curfew is a powerhouse in my my competitive so like Right now, there's basically only two decks that I am really interested in foiling all of. I have a Gilder Baron deck. Gilder Baron was my first ever PDH deck, and right now it is 100% foil. And making it 100% foil meant that I had to take out Hermetic Study, which is a tr- incredible powerhouse of a card in this deck. Just incredible card. Okay. And it's cut. Like I'm, I'm running the other ones. Like I have a foil psionic gift, and I have a foil Viridian longbow. Like I've got mm-hmm. other ways to tap the Gilderbaron because it has an untap ability. But I had to cut Hermetic Study, so I want that back in once it has a foil printing. Curfew is in my other like mostly foil deck, which is Marsh Crocodile, which really needs okay. a foil Curfew and a foil pest. Yes, it absolutely does. Yeah. It deserves one. I agree. That's uh, that's it. That's that's my entire list. Those are the only two decks I care about foiling, and they're each missing some key cards. Pulling that up with your little handy dandy link, I just found out that Curfew has a Battle Royale box set printing. Ooh. It's got a white border. Oh, I Ew. did not I know the, that. I love the Battle Royale set. All the white border cards, Exhum. I got a white border Exhum in my queue. Very cool. It's, just, it's glorious. That's gross. <laughs> All right. So, so my three. You got some ballers on your list. That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. My first one is. Lotus Petal. For one, I'm just obsessed with this card. I, I couldn't tell you why. I don't know why I'm obsessed with Lotus Petal. I, I definitely didn't play the game when Tempest was out, mm-hmm. but I, I just think it's obscene that this card is 20 bucks. I think it should be should be much, much lower. You know, I, I get it's a generically good card that can realistically be run in anything, but I just think it shouldn't be 20 bucks. I think it's victim of being an old card that's never seen an actual reprint that everyone knows is good, but doesn't know why it's good. I, right. I would honestly... So, gently disagree with it being generically good i think i think there are certain decks where it is very specifically very good but i think generically it's actually pretty bad i think most of the time spending an entire card from your hand to get one mana once is almost always a bad plan outside of very specific decks yeah but it's a free mana no it's not free (laughs) it costs you a card yeah, it's not a real resource. Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> it's not a real resource in EDH when everyone is going to play Wheel of Fortune every other turn and refilling yeah, exactly. your hand is effortless. But in PDH, it's a huge resource. Lotus, yeah. Yeah, Lotus yeah, Petal yeah. is so is so expensive that it's been it has three different printings, also on MTGO, and the cheapest one there is eighteen dollars. Yeah, for a digital version. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I just think it should be a little cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it's a bulk. I mean, hell, tre- treasures are pretty much free nowadays. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't think a lotus petal will ever be a bulk card, but I, I think it shouldn't be twenty bucks either. No, I don't think it deserves bulk status, but yeah, it, yeah. it shouldn't be twenty, nineteen, twenty, or four hundred and fifty for an invention. My second one was actually inspired by a uh, listener question for this week because of what it represents, and it is Utopia Sprawl. And that's a good one. Utopia Sprawl represents a card that is good in many formats, including PDH. It's good in mm-hmm. it's good in sixty card in in certain decks. It's really good in PDH, and EDH players are starting to slowly ease up and and understand the benefits of enchantment ramp. Yeah, you know, I, I it, it's it's a slow process, but I've definitely seen seen some people messing around with enchantment ramp outside of uh enchantress based decks and you know it's it's not like they're, they're swapping all their rocks out for enchantments right they're just like hey maybe this this four or five mana right. mana rock could be swapped out for a one or two mana uh enchantment in green and you know maybe my mana is a little better and so i've been slowly stocking up on these types of cards like my wild ghost and my utopia sprawls just so i have mm-hmm. them for the inevitable price spike in a year or two yep. but i think it definitely it, it represents a class of card that is good in edh and pdh and maybe 60 card uh that i think just need to constantly be reprinted in the pre-cons that we are constantly getting just to keep the price down yeah absolutely yeah there's it yeah. obviously it's fantastic in like a boggle situation 100%. modern and popper and all that stuff so yeah and it's it was only it was about a year ago where Utopia Sprawl was pushing fifteen twenty bucks. Yeah, it was pushing fifteen twenty, and then it got it got a reprint. Yeah, and it dropped it, it dropped it to four or five. Mm-hmm. I think it's currently sitting around six or seven, so it's going back up. Yeah, but six slowly. or seven, and then the secret layer is about eight eight to nine bucks. Yeah, and if you want a foil, I would beautiful. recommend picking up the secret layer foils right now because they are the cheapest yeah. foils, and they won't stay that way for long. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, but but definitely, I think Utopia Sprawl. I I the. I want to see it reprinted again because I, I think it with enough reprints it could abs I mean, with anything with enough reprints could absolutely reach uh, bulk levels. But I think Utopia Spawn in general with a handful of more reprints it could easily stay at a dollar two for a while. Yeah, the original Dissension printing of Utopia Spawn in foil is yeah. forty dollars. Yeah, like if you know if they just if they put Utopia Spawn in every precon that has green and it's the only land enchantment in the deck, I think that would be fine. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't hurt sure. the decks at all. Uh, but yeah, so just it's. Utopia Sprawl specifically, but it's representing that class of card. And yeah. the third pick is also representing a class of card that is is personal to me. But it's it's also I chose it because it I chose this specific card because of uh, the volatility that is attached to it. Chain of Edict. Players in sixty card Papa don't like Chain of Edict. <laughs> I think Chain of Edict is a perfectly fair card. I don't know what their complaints are. Right. This group of cards is a group of cards that is Papa legal because of their common printing on Magic Online. However. They have yes, yet to vintage see. Masters. They have yet to see a common printing in paper, and as someone who likes to use common printings in paper, this is annoying. Cards <laughs> that fall into this are Chaina's Edict, Battle Screech, Beetleback Chief, Circular Logic, Tangle, mm-hmm. and that's just from Vintage Masters. There's there's dozens of these cards that I really wish they would reprint with a common set symbol once. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. It's just for. Yeah, Vintage Masters on Magic Online was a boon for the format, but we could definitely use some of those cards. Where Brad and Dave, rarity. Brad and Dave chose cards for their foiling reasons. I chose them because they are cards that don't have a common set symbol in paper, and I would like them to have one uh, because that is Good my thing. style of playing. I can get behind that for sure. All right, Dave, what's our next category here? 
on the bo- big board of wish lists. Next category is cards that have uncommon printings that we want to see get downshifted into the 99. Do you want to start us off? I would love to start us off because I am filled with righteous <laughs> anger. Ooh. I am so impossibly angry that Blazing Rootwalla is not a common. It is a throwback yeah. to Basking Rootwalla. It is in the Madness Colors. It is not a broken card. It absolutely mm-hmm. could have been common. Yep. Modern it Horizons would have been better if it were common, <laughs> and I would not be filled with rage. <laughs> you would be less rage-filled. I would be less rage-filled if Blazing Rootwalla were a common. Um, you don't like your commandos to have madness? I don't need my commanders to have madness. I need my 99 to have madness. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. there's there's a handful of like other, you know, uncommons with madness that I'm like, yeah, whatever, that's fine. Like, volcanic violent eruption... Not volcanic eruption. Violent eruption. I don't care whether that's common or uncommon, but Blazing Rootwalla was given to me in the set with Madness as not common, and I will die mad about it. (laughs) Yep. Die mad until we get one. I am equally angry that the mana rock that lets you venture into the dungeon was not common. It is a terrible mana rock. It is a terrible yeah. card. Yeah. No one I agree. no one needed to look at this card and be like, you know what? Limited needs fewer of those. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. For a mechanic that they're featuring and want you to play. What is it? Is it three mana? Yeah. Three mana three tap mana. it, yep. venture into the dungeon. Activate only as a sorcery. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Make it common, you dingus Gavin. I know you listen to this. Listen. Uh-huh. Get at us. Give it to me. Give it. I need a common dungeon map. All right. Well, you're two for two. Two for two? Uh, I I wrote I wrote more than three things in this list. I guess my third my third slot is a stand-in for, like, there's a lot of equipment that are really, really entertaining mm-hmm. that I want to be common. Like, these are cards that I actually think, if they showed up as in common slots in a draft product, I think that would get messy uh, really fast. Oh, yeah. But, like... Yeah, yeah. If these got downshifted in some sort of special promo product or, or in a commander deck or something, I think that would be really fun. And these cards are Bloodthirsty Blade. It's an equipment that you attach to opponent's creatures, and it makes those creatures goaded. It's like the equipment version of the uh, the Impetus Cycle. Mm-hmm. And Assault Suit lets you attach it to your own creature, and then you can pass your creature around the table for each person's turn. And when... When an when opponent starts their turn, you can give them this creature for the turn, and it can attack anyone except you. I think these are right. just extremely entertaining, like multiplayer politics cards. I would love to have them in yeah, PDH. Super fun. Yeah, I don't I would totally play with those. Yeah, and because I I'm would a, not be mad if they were downshifted. Because I'm a dirty, filthy cheater, I put more than three cards into this category. The other card I badly need downshifted to common is Spore Sower Thalid. We got Sporoloth Ancient. We got that downshift. We did not get the Spore Sower Thalid downshift. It's still only an uncommon. It's a, it's a green, I think it's a 4-mana four 4-4 four four that puts Spore counters on all of your Thalids every turn. Uh-huh. So it accelerates fungus. the rate. Oh, all of your funguses, yeah. So it accelerates the rate at which your Saperling producing Spore counter Thalids produce their Saperlings, which is really yeah. cool. I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It 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 could it it could get downshifted easily as long as it gets new art. I hate the art on that card. 
Ron Spencer a, needs to be stopped. It has been the same art in all three slash four printings. <laughs> yeah. It needs new art, needs a common printing, and then I will be happy. Yep. That's it. That is my those are the five cards I want downshifted. Those of uh, of of my of the three downshifts I was allowed to talk about. That's all five of them. <laughs> Beautiful list. I hadn't even considered like some artifacts or specifically enchantments so, or uh, equipment, sorry. So it's a pretty good list. I like it. Thank you. Yeah. What do you got, Liam? So of my three downshifts that I was allowed, I have twelve. I'm going to sum, <laughs> I guess, 11. Uh, I'm going to sum nine of them up real quick. The, uh, the Ravnica charm cycle. Yeah. I had this, I had like this poking feeling that, you know, with fire design, I felt like most, if not all of the charms could be downshifted. You know, there were a couple that I was questionable about because I was like, you know, this would be really great for PDH, but oh my gosh, I really don't want to see how that affects 60 cards. And the one that was really big like that for me was, is it charm? <laughs> And that's the first one I downshifted. <laughs> so I feel like the since most of my reservation was with 60 card, and the number one card that I had reservations about 60 card was the first one they downshifted, I feel like the rest mm-hmm. can be downshifted. Yeah, if they're going to bring Is It Charm, I think we're fine. Yeah, the only other one that I would have reservations about 60 card popper would be Boros Charm. That's powerful, yeah. But that's in 60 card. When it comes to PDH, Boros Charm is still powerful, but it's not as oppressive. Mm-hmm. I think I think in terms of PDH, we would want to watch out for Golgarian Rakdos Charm, because we hear about the stories all the time in EDH, and I would just be concerned that that would carry over to PDH as well. However, you know, one time re- regenerate the whole board is actually relevant in PDH, so yeah. Is that what Golgari Charm does? Yeah, uh, that's one of its modes, is regenerate each creature you control. Huh. Yep. I know. Or you can destroy an enchantment, or all creatures get minus one, minus one until the end of turn. Yep. Huh. Yeah, that seems yep. reasonable. Like, we yeah. we have that regenerate all creatures card in Popper already. It's called... We got a couple of them, yeah. Wrap in Vigor, and it's really mediocre it's not a good card yeah exactly so i think it'd be okay it would just be something to watch yeah but yeah so that's that's it i just want that trend cycle to now just come down to common uh since they downshifted the the big problem child yeah my next Directly pick into the blue decks my next pick uh i lied when i said i only had 11 i have like 14 uh, my next pick <laughs> is unclaimed territory this card i would have been on the fence about downshifting it to common uh but with the secluded courtyard card coming out in kamigawa i think unclaimed territory which is technically a slightly worse version can absolutely be a common sure you know i I have a hard time with card evaluation these days because all the cards i'm going to talk about came before fire design so with fire design being in play you know everything kind of gets downshifted by one rarity if it's older than fire design it's it's kind of awkward to talk about um but i think unclaimed territory the land from ixalan that's a tribal land could absolutely be down in a common now in addition i think ancient ziggurat uh which is the all color land for only creature spells and Myriad Landscape could all be downshifted to common. Yeah, I would, I would love to like, see, and it could be any of the ones you mentioned, I would love to yeah. see some sort of tribal land at common. Also, Myriad Landscape, I keep putting it in PDH text because I keep forgetting it's not a common. <laughs> like, I, like, I have like this, what is it, the Mandela it effect? It feels like a common. Like, I feel like I remember seeing a common printing somewhere of it, and now I can't find it. And it's all uncommon. And I'm just like, ugh. Uh, so, like, I like keep subconsciously putting it in decks and realizing it doesn't belong there. Can, can we just take a moment to consider Myriad Landscape and Scaretiller? Oh, no, I've considered it. I've I've just, considered it. Let's just pause and let that energy <laughs> flow through <laughs> you for a second. Like, breathe um, in, breathe in. And then, and then okay, my third pick. Carry on. Yeah. My third pick uh, is a card that 
you know, realistically, when you think about it, probably doesn't really need to be in Papa. <laughs> However, I have a reason I want it to be to get a common printing, and that is a tonal witness. Uh, and we all know what a tonal witness does. And yep. we all know that, you know, uncommon might be pushing it, uh, despite the fact that it has a bunch of uncommon printings. But yeah, I, I want this card in common because I have this little tracking thing that I'm doing of cards that hit all five rarities in paper. So that would be common, uncommon, rare, mythic, and time-shifted, or special, which is the purple rarity. Yeah. There are currently 244 special slash purple rarity cards, the 121 cards from the initial time-shifted sheet, the 121 cards from the remastered time-shifted sheet, and then the Piper dude from Commander Legends and the Faceless one from Commander Legends 2. I really want more cards to join that list. There is one card that has all five rarities in paper, and that is Desert. And yep. there are a couple cards that are really, really close. They like there's, there's a lot of cards that are really close that are just that are only missing the special rarity, which would be Chain Lightning, Counterspell, Cud Ape, and Ornithopter. And then there's a bunch of others that are missing one base rarity in the special, but the base rarity that they're missing is Mythic, so they just need to hit some kind of invention uh, yeah. cycle. But the one that is has all of the base rarities and the special, except the one base rarity it's missing is common, is a tonal witness. I think a tonal witness being downshifted to common would be great because it would be the second card to join all five paper rarity printings. Mm -hmm. And that's the only reason I want to get it. Yeah, I'm totally it. with you. But when it comes when it comes to gameplay, this card it should absolutely never be a common. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might be a little little op for common, but I am yeah. with you on, on every other respect. Yeah, there's you know it. I, I will never get a job at Wizards, but if I had a job at Wizards, you would start seeing random cards printed at random rarities, and this would be the reason why. Just a heads up. You'd be like, why is there a Mythic Tormod script? <laughs> like, because Liam needed one. Because Liam needs one. <laughs> why is there an Aven Mind Sensor at Common that's all of a sudden getting insta-banned? Because I needed one. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, Day Zero ban. Yeah. He needed it. There'd be a lot of Day Zero bans if I was in charge of game design. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... That's it. That's all I got. Most of them are selfish reasons, but that's what this is for, right? Oh, that's cool. It's a fun list. I'd, I'd be interested in playing with all of those. Well, why don't you take that last category and start us off? Brad, what wait, about wait, your three downships? I need to hear about oh, yours. Did I, did I not get to mine? Holy no, crap, we didn't do I yours sure yet. Ooh, my bad. All right. Well, I also, similar to Liam, sort of cheated. I actually have more than three, but one of them is a cycle. First downshift I would love to see in common, because I love enchantments and I love Theros, would be the ordeal cycle from original Theros. Ordeal of Erebos, Helia, Nylia, Perforos, and Thassa. I don't know. I never actually drafted Theros in person, digitally, none of it. So I don't know how good <laughs> these played out at Uncommon in the in the format or in the standard environment surrounding it. They felt really just bad sort of in looking draft. looking at them and, what's that? They felt really bad in draft because, mm -hmm. like, they, they were good cards, but they didn't feel like an Uncommon. They did. They, didn't. So just, they felt it, too weak to be an Uncommon? Yeah, but they felt they, they felt too weak to be an uncommon, but they felt too strong to be a common. Okay, so it was just this, it was this awkward placement where it's like you don't really want to take them as the uncommon pick out of the pack, but the better than some of the commons in the set. So it's like, you know, it yeah. was an okay pick, but, but it wasn't great. But that and these are a bit older. Yeah, that kind of so describes if, that. If, set, so yeah, that, that's a very good point. Uh, these are a bit older, so if some of the listeners don't know, they're they're all creature enchantment auras. They all do the same, literally the same text box in the first paragraph covers all five of them. It's when enchanted creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Then if it has three or more plus one, plus one counters on it, you sacrifice that aura. And then you get a ability revel, uh, relevant to the color, like the black one discards, the white one gains life, the blue one draws cards, yada, yada, yada. So I don't 
think that they would be too strong. Even in 60 card where you can have four of them, I don't think they'd be crazy strong. Yeah. Because enchantments just aren't super good in 60 card pauper. There's just too much efficient removal in that format for for it to be super good. But I love them. I love that there's a cycle of enchantments from one of my favorite sets. I I've... That's my pick. I love them from a design standpoint. When I read yes, them and like understood yes. what they do, like as 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 a representation of like the kind of ordeal that some capricious ancient Greek god would put you through, like doing this thing that would put you in danger over and over again while also making you stronger, and then giving you a prize when you proved yourself worthy and survived it all. Like <laughs> that whole idea is perfectly captured by these cards you have you have to attack that's the trigger like you might get blocked and die like you might get lightning bolted and die that's the the risk of being an attacker like Mm -hmm. you get the counters you get stronger and then like you get the reward like impeccable design design. incredible it's yep i think dripping with flavor i think they are very fragile cards like it's when you're when you're running enchantments like that it's easy to get two for one before you get the payoff so don't i know um Mm-hmm. But there's there's also cool things you can do with it. Like if you put if you put them on a creature that already has a bunch of counters and then attack, like you can kind right. of just it, yeah, get the reward. You know, you can't specify counters that came from this aura. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely want to see those at common at some point. I don't know if a third or fourth visit to Theros will give us those, but we shall see. So that's definitely a a, a more selfish request because I don't know that everyone would want to play with those. Uh, the next one is also a selfish request because I love janky mill cards, mill <laughs> strategies, and and I would and be honestly to be honest, this is probably more of a sixty card popper request for me. But I would love to see psychic corrosion downshifted to common from uncommon. It may be too strong, but I'd love to see it. It's whenever you draw a card, each opponent puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. Jace's erasure mill and two uh-huh, times two. This time it's personal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love when I first signed up. I think when I first opened my arena account, it was during the standard where there was a mono blue mill deck. And it wasn't very good, but that, I played the hell out of that deck all the time. And I think this was in there and like wall or f- forgotten wall or wall of forgotten something and patient rebuilding and all those other cards. It was just it was hella fun to play, but it was not very good. So, yeah, psychic corrosion is definitely a, a selfish request. I don't think anyone ever wants that at common, but. I do. Seems fun. And then one, the last one I have here is Golgari. And I think this could actually be really fun, possibly good for the PDH format itself, not just for me and my decks, but it is Death Reap Ritual. I just learned about this card like a year and a half ago. It's two, a black and a green for uh, just an enchantment. And it just has the, the mechanic Morbid at the beginning of each end step. If a creature died this turn, draw a card. Nice, clean, simple, perfectly Golgari. I love it. It's a great card. It's great art, too. It is really good art. And it's had Mm -hmm. quite a few printings, too. Now, I don't know if this would be too strong for PDH, but I'd be willing to give it a shot. I think it would be fine. The only thing about it is, I mean, you're not going to get buried you know under card advantage yeah i mean i guess you could if you know if you're drawing one card every single turn but the only real problem with it is that it's an enchantment and those are just kind of hard to deal with currently yeah but i think pdh players run more enchantment removal anyway like i think that's the thing we just do naturally yeah that's true so yeah that's that's an honest that's an honest request like i honestly think that one would be okay it's not a selfish request it would be fun for the format in evaluating whether or not it's too strong i have to compare it to Ristic. 
and because Ristic is also an enchantment that draws you an absurd number of cards. True, true. And I think yeah. that I think that in competitive games, creatures die a lot less often than your opponents cast spells. So it's going to trigger a lot mm-hmm. less frequently. I think it costs more and is much more difficult to play. You have to be yep. in green black to run it. Yeah. And if I think that at least, instead of one, at least right. And I think that yeah. in those colors it's much more difficult to protect. Like, Ristic Study can draw you cards while you're engaged in the counterspell war to protect your own Ristic Study. (laughs) It can draw you more protection. Right. And, like, you Uh can, you know, if if someone comes up with a naturalizer, the, you know, return to nature or whatever, like, you you can fight that in blue. Like, when you're in green and black trying to protect your death reap ritual, like, you have, what, Tamiyo safekeeping? Like, yeah, like, you would and have then to the be list in if you wanted any <laughs> right. sort of like, interaction or protection. Yeah, yeah, So, like, if, you know, if it, if it does become a problem, like, people can just be like, ah, I kill your enchantment. And you're like, well, okay. There goes that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I drew exactly. four cards off it and it ate a removal spell, so, like, good job, but now it's not a problem uh-huh. anymore. Like... Yeah, right. so I feel like it would be like fine for the format, probably. Probably pretty strong, but like not, yeah, not, not game warping. Strong. But I would love, and, and that could just be from my like desire to see Golgari be successful archetypes in every format. I wish Tordex was better in 60 card popper and, you know, <laughs> just stuff like that. So Tordex is really good if you have Conrad. Oh, it's so, yeah, real good. But yeah, I think that rounds out my list of downshifts to the 99 let's try this again liam you want to take the last category there and start us off yeah sure the last category is our promotion or downshift to commander status and my commander that i've chosen is ogre battle driver this one is a two red red three three ogre warrior and whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control that creature gets plus two plus zero and gains haste until end of turn I have no Sour. reason to want this at Uncommon other than just pure nostalgia. <laughs> One of my first products that I actually like bought for Magic was the Speed vs. Cunning Dual Deck. And... I can't name oh, that's the best art too. Yeah, I can't name the number one choice that I would actually have for the downshift because one of my co-hosts took it and I willingly gave it up because they've been playing the game for much longer than I have and have been wanting that downshift <laughs> for much longer than I have. So I chose my number two pick from this product, which was Cranko. And Cranko cannot be an uncommon ever. Uh, such as my number three no. pick, which was Ogre Battle Driver. And you know what? I love this card. Uh, I love it a lot. I like the art. I like the the flavor and the idea behind it. It's just a fun card, and if you've never played with it, I recommend it. And yeah, so I just want to see it at uncommon. I don't have a deck brewed around it because it's not an uncommon. But uh, rest be sure, be assured, if it ever for whatever reason gets an uncommon printing, I will have a deck brewed around it. I just like it. It's a cool card. Beautiful. I was not expecting a super aggro uh, downshift from you, but I love it. Yeah, it's chill. Yeah, it's chill. It's cool. What about you, Brad? What do you got? Now let's do Brad. Oh me. Yeah. Okay, let's do me. Mine, I feel like it's a little, little, little further out there, a little more of a stretch. So let me just name it first. I would love to play with, as my commander, I would love to have Alicia, who smiles at death, in the command zone. And I know I can play EDH with her, but I'd rather play PDH with her. Because it kind of does everything, like, everything I want to be doing. Like, on the very, very short list of my favorite commons of all time is Tethmost High Priest. He's got heroic... You know, you target a spell or target him with a spell, and it brings back a creature or with mana value two or less to the battlefield. I mean, this is basically the same card, right? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Well, exactly. Except this one's just better. But yeah, when she attacked, you can pay hybrid white-black, hybrid white-black, bring back a creature or power two or less from the graveyard to the battlefield, tap and attacking. First strike, it's in Mardu colors. Like, 
it, it literally has a little bit of everything I want to be doing. Like it's got the Tethmos Teth High Priest effect, a little reanimation effect. It's got red direct damage. It's got you can do some prowess stuff with it. It just I know it's too powerful to be ever an uncommon, but give me something similar. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know how to design it. Maybe make it cost more, give it one toughness, or make it take away first strike, or give its ability, you know, make its ability cost three man. I, I don't know how you would fix it to make something like this an uncommon, mm -hmm. but I would love if we got anything similar to this in, in these colors specifically. That's it. I've never actually played with the card. <laughs> I've never owned one. I've never played a deck with it, but I've always been fascinated by it. And I think that's probably where my Tethmos High Priest love comes from, because I've always just fantasized about playing a deck with this, you know, in it at some point. I came really close to building an EDH deck with her once because mm -hmm. I'm I love Mardu as a color combination. I love I do too. the aesthetic of the Mardu clan. I do too. I love I the mechanics of the Mardu clan. So like I got I went around and I got all of like the all the really classic like Mardu warriors. Yeah. I got I found foil foil copies of them and I started to put this deck together and then I fell out of love with EDH and never finished. But I do love Alesha. I also like I don't read the magic storyline much these days, mm -hmm. but like there's there's one magic story that I've read like four times and it legitimately Ooh. brings tears to my eyes and it is the story of how Alesha got her name. Oh. And okay. like if you haven't read it, you should go find that one. Now you say story is it a, is it an actual book or is it like no, it's, a mini story it's, it's like it's like an article. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's it's on it's on Wizards website somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it's, Maybe if we it's, can find the link, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, you should. Um, I'll I'll look for the link after the show. It's it is awesome, an incredible story. I love it. But yeah, that's that's my pick. It's a, it should be fun, very powerful, and it's a great it, like pick. I I don't know if it's just my obsession with Magic: The Gathering or whatever, but it's one of those cards where, like I said, I've never played with it. I've never owned it. I've only ever seen people have fun with it. But it's one of those that like I look at and I just have a connection to it. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are very few cards that I look at and I'm just like, yep, that that's me. That's what I want to be doing. I feel it and I love it. And she's one of them for some reason. So, yeah, that's my little spiel. What do you got, Dave? I, in the continuing theme of not being able to count, have chosen <laughs> 11 cards to talk about yep. as my one promotion slash downshift to commander it is good that you are not a math teacher it's great that i'm not a math teacher i would be a terrible <laughs> math teacher good good in in the continuing theme of uh fate reforged fate reforged yes wedge commanders i want to give an honorable mention to the fate reforged mythic cycle of wedge creatures so I'm going to forget half their names already. Uh, Soulfire Mystic? Is that one of them? Soulfire Grandmaster. Soulfire Grandmaster. Brutal Horde Chief. Yeah. Shaman Two. of the Great Hunt. Three. Warden of the First Tree. Oh, I got it. Four. And the, the Sultai one. The blue one. The Sultai Fish one. Yeah. The Sultai um, one. <laughs> The Sultai one. No one. Yeah. Whatever that one's called. Torrent no, Elemental. Torrent Elemental. Seems good. Um, yeah. These get an honorable mention because I think every single one of them is far too powerful to be an uncommon creature. I think that would sure. be very warping. But I love the way that they're designed. I love their mechanics. What I really want is wedge color identity creatures with similar but less powerful or less aggressively costed abilities and stat lines. Sure. Um, 
So that would be cool. And one of the reasons I want this is because we have so few wedge options, yes. which is going to slide right into my actual on it. <laughs> I have right now, I think, 89 decks built in paper for mm -hmm. PDH. There are two things that I do not have among these 89 decks that I have built. I do not have a Jeskai deck. I have every other legal color combination. I do not have Jeskai. And mm -hmm. worse, much more shameful, is that I do not have a deck whose commander was illustrated by RK Post. Okay, okay. Both of these things are categorically unacceptable to me, which is why <laughs> the actual downshift I want to have is Lightning Angel. This is a four mana Jeskai colored. It costs one, a white, a blue, and a red. You get a three, four flying vigilance haste. That, Perfect. That's the entire card. Yeah. It's just three, three keywords on a three, four flying body for four mana yep. in Jeskai colors. I think it would be an, a completely balanced uncommon. Like, it's not a strong card. It's not going to warp the game. It's not even very good. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's got beautiful art. It would be the Jeskai deck that I would get excited about building and playing. I would put in every single card that referenced Lightning in any way. Yeah, right. <laughs> Light, lightning Axe, Lightning Javelin, Lightning Bolt, Shock, like Electrolyze, all of it. I would yep. in every single Lightning card and just have a bad electricity-flavored Voltron-ish deck that I was enjoyed and had RK Post art and was just guy. Yep. That's what I want. Um, I cannot argue with that choice at all. That was the nope. card that I was going to choose to downshift. By the oh, way. it was Lightning Angel? I thought it was Alicia. Yep. Nope. It was Lightning Angel. Oh, okay. I'm I'm the one stealing from Liam. <laughs> stealing the thunder and the lightning. Yeah. I'll steal them both. <laughs> um, can, guys, can I rant? Yeah, go Please for it. do. Okay. Here's so I I promised eleven answers to this one card question and I've given <laughs> you six. Here's the other five. The mother flipping common backgrounds. I've had so many stupid flipping arguments about these common backgrounds, and all of it would just go away in an instant if wizards printed a secret layer that had the five common backgrounds with uncommon set symbols. That would make yep. literally 20% <laughs> of the problems in my entire life vanish. <laughs> Just into thin air, gone. I would never yeah. have to hear about it ever again. I am so with you on this one. Just, It's so, so easy to just make this become a non-issue. Just give me the, give me the common background secret layer. They don't need new arts. They don't need special foil treatments. They just, just need a, one little thing, an uncommon set symbol, and I will I will die less angry. <laughs> yeah, you were pretty angry before, but this will make I, you a little less angry. slightly less angry. If I got if I got yeah. this and Blazing Rootwalla and Dungeon Map, I would be substantially less angry. But as it is, <laughs> measurably I'm less, measurably less. Yes. Okay, that's my that's my entire rant. That is that is my eleven card answer to this one card question. Beautiful. I love it. All excellent choices, and I would love more wedge shard three color, just commanders. Yeah, we have we have a moderate variety of shard commanders, yeah. but we have that's true. Like, the, but there's literally exactly six legal wedge. 
commanders. Yeah. Not six for each wedge. Grand total six <laughs> total wedge <of> six. commanders. <laughs> exactly. It's a fun fact. There's five wedges. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. We have one for each wedge except Sultai. Sultai gets a second commander because of planar chaos. Yeah. Because it's got blue in it. Yeah. It's actually a green card, right? The, some kind of. It's Ana, Sultai. Ana... We'll talk about it later. I think it's Anna Battle Mage. Yeah. The, the green card with a blue and a black kicker. Kicker. Mm. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Not a good card, but it's technically a second option. It's there. You like Sultai. It's, op- it's an option for it's you. There. All right. Well, that's a pretty good wish list. I guess we'll see what the holidays bring us. Maybe we'll get one of those in a special mystery Christmas set from Wizards. Gavin, get at us. Gavin, I know you're listening. Just help me. PDH Pod Secret Lair. Where is it? All right. Now we're gonna hop all the way to the end of the show. But first, we're gonna answer some listener questions. We got some pretty good ones again this week. Liam has been on the hunt getting some good questions so i think let's just start out with the first one here what do you think and all these are from twitter right liam yeah they're all from twitter okay the first one up here is from at brando superhero if you were building a pdh battle pdh battle box with four decks what would they be assume you want to include all five colors and also showcase aggressive mid-range combo and control strategies what do you think dave i I really struggled with this question because it's it's a great question, but aggro, mid-range, combo, and control are not axes on which I categorize decks, usually. Like, mm-hmm. I, I separate my combo decks from my other decks because my all of my combo decks are competitive. But I don't, like, I don't just differentiate between, like, aggressive, mid-range, and control-y things. I just kind of, like, do things that the commander wants me to do, and it lands where it lands. Um... So trying to like figure out which of my decks counted as mid-range or aggro was uh, a challenge for me. Um, and it was also a challenge to figure out which which decks I could put together in a battle box with like one of my competitive combo decks and still have like fair, balanced games. I think I eventually came up with a, a collection of four of them, and then I glanced at Liam's answer to this question that he had already written down, and I was like, oh, half of them are already there. I got to do something else. <laughs> so I re-engineered my answer to just go with, instead of trying to find good decks that can compete with my competitive combo deck, I was just like, let's just include the garbage tier combo deck, Composite Golem. <laughs> Beautiful. Yep. And we'll partner that up with three other decks that are also just straight up awful garbage cards. <laughs> that will make for really low-powered, really entertaining games. So mm-hmm. to go with Composite Golem combo, I would pair Ripley Vance as my aggro option, uh, which just completely folds to a single removal spell. I would I would use <laughs> Hopeful Eidolon. Sorry, not Hopeful Eidolon. Hateful Eidolon. That's the Hateful, one. yep. Hateful Eidolon is a mono-black control deck that uses exclusively bad control cards that are enchantments that mm-hmm. don't have flash most of them and <laughs> only kill small creatures but they can trip and sure. my mid-range choice would be shark to crab just because i think that shark to crab is profoundly entertaining as a creature and a concept it is 100 percent is that is How that could is, it not be right it's a shark octopus crab it's right exactly. literally got everything you want out of the card <laughs> in a title alone so yeah, that, that's my garbage tier answer to your question. If you want to play really low-powered games with bad decks, those are the four. That's fair. It's a good list. Thank you. And I think that would be a end up producing a fun battle box. Yeah, I think so. All right. So mine are not 
garbage tier, as one might say, mine are kind of mid tier. <laughs> and it it all centers around uh, Anna Battle Mage. Uh, so Anna Battle Mage is, as we talked, uh, the second, uh, I believe the color combination is called Salt Tie, uh, the second Salt Tie uh, commander that we have available. And this deck is Salt Tie Kicker Control. Um, your goal being to kick Anna Battle Mage as many times as you can by bouncing it back to your hand and using the green as your ramp to do so, the blue and the black to just be generic control. I think it'd be a fun deck. I've never actually built it, but I think it would be fun and different. So then I was looking at the, the question, and I had to showcase aggro, mid-range, combo, and control. And I wanted to include all five colors, but I wanted to balance the colors. So every color shows up twice in my battle box. After okay, that, okay. I decided to pull Carter, uh, because of his inclusion in the upcoming precons, the starter precons, I figured mm-hmm. if Carter was a good choice for Watsi to pull as the only uncommon inclusion in those precons, it'd be a good inclusion for this. Especially because Carter is also popular enough in EDH that if you're convincing someone to come from EDH to PDH, you could probably convince them to do so with a legend. So I wanted there to be at least yeah, one legend. 100%. I wanted there to be one legend in the battle box, at least, uh, if not two. I, I only have Carter as the only legend. But Cardo can also be built as casual or like as kind of not competitive, but as strong as you may want to. So I chose to have Cardo fill the uh, the mid range slot by having uh, a Rakdos sacrifice deck built here. So it's a little mid rangey because it's it's encouraging aggro themes, but the the deck itself is doing sacrifice shenanigans. Sure. So after that, I was like, okay, my next two inclusions need to have white because I had chosen two things with white and uh, with two things without white and uh, two things that had black. So I was looking around. I was looking around. I was like, what can fill this out? Uh, I was looking through my combo decks, stuff that you know, anything that had white in it. And the only combo deck I have that has white is Ether Swan Sphinx. Uh, so I threw that in there just because the deck I have. And so yeah, so Azorius Affinity combo seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, you know, absolutely. These, these decks are. Uh, in my head, designed for new players, but uh, new players to PDH, not necessarily to Magic. So, you know, whereas Carter's the draw for something coming from EDH, Ethos One Sphinx is the draw for someone trying to figure something out. You tell them this is a Zoya's Affinity combo, and they're just like, all right, bet, I'm going to figure this deck out. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a puzzle, so I think it was a good inclusion. Sure, absolutely. So that left me with the Naya colors. And Naya is inherently aggro. So I was just poking through, and Naya is not a color combination that I build. So I looked at Glory Scale Viashino, and I was like, you know what? That's the one. Uh, because this deck would absolutely be uh, just bonkers, because it would only be multicolored cut. So I called it Naya Spectrum Agra. <laughs> Love it. I've seen yeah. Glory Scale decks. They are they are a sight to behold. I have not had the pleasure of playing against or with one yet. I, I have not either, but I, but in theory, it looks great. Uh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, this is my what? completely random battle box. You know, you know what, <laughs> you know what are multicolored cards are uh, runes of the dais, armadillo yeah. cloak, shield yeah. of the oversoul. Like, uh-huh. I don't yeah, know if you ever wanted stuff. to attack with a ten ten trample double striker, but like you can. I have. <laughs> you yeah, have. As a matter Int- of fact, I have. <laughs> Interesting. I have yeah. good news. All right. <laughs> it was just reprinted too. Uh, but yeah, so like was I was it. Yeah, in uh, Double Masters, too. Oh, yeah, 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 yep, yep. Yeah, so, I, you know, these are these are just random picks based on random things, but they all kind of work out. And I think they would, like, actually, when I when I finished the list, I was looking, and I was like, yeah, these actually, like, if you built the decks right, could be fairly balanced. The only one I would be sure. really concerned about here is Ethos One Sphinx, but 
I think you can also tone that deck down fairly easily. So, that's I guess a, a, a quick Excellent list. A quick comment I want to throw in here in terms of balance is that, um, mm-hmm. in my experience, if you want if you want really good pod balance that involves combos, I think your pod should have two combo decks and two non combo decks. Yeah. Every okay. every single time I've played a game where there's been exactly one combo deck, the combo deck gets dumpstered immediately. Just dumpstered, mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> and then well, and so, then the game proceeds as a as a three player free yeah, for all. So that makes sense. If you if you're playing this, you know, the Ethos one thinks main win is going to be the combo. It'll probably have a couple of large betas built into the deck as a secondary win con. The and a battle mage deck is going to be a control deck, but it's going to need some way to win. So it might have some large green creatures, or it might have you know a combo in the deck. Looking at Cardo, right? It's a mid range sacrifice deck, but the commander is also inherently aggressive. So some of the creatures might also lean in that direction. Uh, the only one that really wouldn't have a backup plan would be the Glory Scale, in my opinion. But I'm sure you could come up with something. You could, yeah, yeah. So yeah like, I just... like yeah, I, 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 I would definitely try to build a combo probably into the Battle Mage deck, just so it's there. But it wouldn't okay. be a dedicated combo deck. That that makes more sense, yeah. I would I would kind of expect a uh, at least one combo in Sultai. Yeah. Because you've 100%. Yeah, got all the you've got all the transmute cards, so you can you can mm-hmm. put together the Drake combo without too much trouble. And like yeah, for most sure. most of those cards are good for you anyway. So mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear Brad's. Oh, Brad, what do you got? Yeah. All right. Well, I did not want to make this a slanted CPDH battle box. So my aggressive, my aggressive choice, my aggro choice was going to be Zada, and then I bet I thought better of it <laughs> because that that could ruin an otherwise semi-casual competitive pod all by itself. I think, depending on what's going on. But I went ahead and put from Dominaria United Tori de Avignon, the Fury Rider. Because I've been looking at it more and more, and I've actually played against the deck two, maybe three times, and it can get really absurd. It, it definitely won the first pod I played it against, and it it's good. It, it's kind of what I want to do. Not not everything, but it's kind of what you think of when you think of a go-wide Boros deck that pumps its red creatures, gives vigilance to the white creatures, yada, yada, yada. Like, it's crazy. So... And it's very unassuming. Like when you play against some Boros decks, you're like, okay, it's turn four, here comes this. Or it's turn six, here comes these two spells. Or Rally the Peasants, or War Flare, or whatever. This one is just sort of like, all right, they got a couple tokens. Next turn, okay, they got a few more tokens. Two turns after that, shit, that deck just took out two people. Like, because it can snowball so quickly. And it's not super often that we get a snowball-y commander like this in these colors. I mean, I know that's kind of what Boros does, but I just think it's super fun, and it's not... I don't think you can build it to be like top-tier or super competitive, so I don't think it'll ever break or be the highest-powered deck in a battle box of, of PDH decks, if that makes sense. I think it's a great choice. For my for my control... No, not control, sorry. For my mid-range option, I went with one of my personal favorites, and that is Minthara from Commander's Legend Baldur's Gate. And I'm sort of pulling from my, again, from my 60-card pauper sort of pedigree or resume, whatever you want to call it. And actually, I think I did that for most of these decks because I have my own 60-card pauper battle box that I've been sort of cultivating and whatnot. And I I just look at Minthara as a very grindy Orzhov control commander. You can build her with dungeon sub-themes if you want, which works fine too. 
but I look at it as just a hard control Orzov pestilence, you know, commander that just wants to win through attrition and removal and just beating you down. And she does that very well. Then, of course, I threw Risen Reef in here because I feel like every battle box needs a good value pile. It doesn't really have a win con. It just <laughs> goes out there, draws a bunch of cards, casts a bunch of creatures, and it's fun as hell. The combo deck I picked, I've never actually played this one, but I've lost to it quite a bit. And I think, you know, it's not a tier list combo deck, but it's kind of on the same level of Tori where it's going to be strong. It'll be a force to kind of reckon with, but it won't be like, oh, I don't want to play Joe's battle box tonight because he's got that, you know, that combo deck in there. Like, it's not going to be that oppressive or anything. And that's Warden of the Eye, our only Jeskai uh, commander. You can build it, I think you can build it balls out with all the combos you can think of, and it just, it may not get to that, ever get to that top tier level, but it, being in those colors, it in, inherently has just combo ability built in. So, I think that's a good combo, it's fun colors, and I think that'd be a good include if I were building a battle box. And then, for my last control, oh, yeah, for my last option, for the control option... I do not build control decks very well. All I know about control is build a strong blue-black shell with interaction and efficient removal and some number of creatures, and it's probably going to be good. I feel like that in PDH. Just find a good Demir commander that you like that maybe has a sub-theme you want to run with, and then just load it. Like you said, load it with the good um, transmute cards, counter spells, interaction, removal spells, big creatures, flyers, that sort of thing, and you're probably going to do okay, especially out of a battle box. Now, I have things like... Actually, I only have one Demir deck built, and that's Rilsa. I don't think I would put Rilsa in a battle box of this Mm. level because she's really, really powerful. Yeah. Like, can be oppressive sometimes. And you could could tune it down or whatever if if you just really loved Rilsa, but I'm I'm pretty much of the mindset that pick any Demir commander you want, put a good shell around him, and, and you're good to go, so... I recently built a Vohar deck, the the blue-black Dominary United Phyrexian Merfolk that loots and then Ooh. drains when you discard when when you discard an instant or sorcery off of his loot, he drains the table, and for two mana and sacrifice him, you can basically give a card in your graveyard flashback. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of fun with him as a Demir control commander. Yeah, I can see that. You know, and we've got it wouldn't be control, but we've got Demir commanders that like are zombie lords and oh, just all sort of fun stuff. So Narfi does work. But yeah, as far yeah. as the quote-unquote control option goes, I always lean on Demir, so that's where I'm going. But yeah. wh- whichever whichever commander suits your fancy. I like it. All right, who wants to take the next question? I could read it Woo-hoo. if Liam wants to read the last one. This is sure. question number two out of three. This was sent to us from Twitter by at MC underscore Debeau. Even with only commons, do you still have a budget concerns putting decks together in paper? Example, you can't justify Utopia Sprawl in every green deck. Liam, tell us about Utopia Sprawl and budget concerns. Yeah, (laughs) my concerns are not usually. When it comes to hyper-expensive staples, and in PDH terms, I'm talking about anything more than $5, I tend to have wonderful copies in my collection just because I've been playing for a while uh, and I've collected them over time or I've traded for them. Uh, and I just cycle them through my decks as I take them to FNM. 
realistically, I probably have three to five PDH decks complete at any given time, and then like another twenty piles uh, because I cycle cards through them. Uh, you know, like mm-hmm. my my singular Arabian Nights Oubliette gets played in every single one of my black decks. Um, <laughs> so like, it's just how it is. And yeah, I have a couple double masters copies floating around, but you know, sometimes they get put in, sometimes they don't. So yeah, it's just. I like to cycle cards through decks. I know not everyone likes to do that. So in that case, I'm also not against just getting one of those uh, MBFC blanks from Zendikar Rising through like Midnight Hunt. They they printed them for a year and a half in every booster those pack. Those come in so handy. And I have like 200 of them. And, uh-huh. you know, I don't own 10 Utopia Sprawls, but, uh, you know, I, I own two, maybe three. But... I definitely have a handful of Utopia Spells just proxed indexed. You know, when I for for a while there, I wasn't moving cards around. I would just scroll on a on a card what the name was and just put it in the deck because mm-hmm. for me personally, when I'm moving those types of cards around, those staples, I know what they do. I, I don't I don't really need the physical card to remind me. Right. Yeah. I just you know proxying. I'm not against it. I'm not against the the MDFC stuff, especially because they have magic backs. Right. It, it comes in handy when yeah. I, when I'm not saving yep. up decks. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, you know, actually I played a deadly dispute last night. That was just a, a blood, to- you know, the blank token yeah. that you're called, talking about. And I just <laughs> wrote on it. Yeah. I didn't feel like looking for one. Um, but yeah. So like, you know, the budget concern isn't really there for me personally. If, if you don't own copies, if you, if you don't own multiple copies and you don't want to proxy, I can definitely see it being a problem when you want to put a utopia spell on every green deck. And in that case, I, you know, my only suggestion is move the card around. That that's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. That what about out. you, Brad? Hmm? What about you, Brad? What do you got? Oh, what about me? Uh, I'm pretty much right in line with you. I don't have much of a budgetary concern, you know, when it comes in relation to this question. Basically, that's not saying that if I need a twenty dollar lotus petal, I'll just go buy four of them or whatever. <laughs> but you know, I, I've built so many decks and so many 60-card decks, too. I often find myself just borrowing cards from the 60-card deck, and I'll slide a piece of paper in the sleeve or what have you. So I, I don't really worry too much about it. And honestly, if it's if it's a quote-unquote, in my opinion, pricey card at common or whatever, if it has a card that's even similar to it, I'll just run that one if I don't have the pricier one. There's very few decks of mine where I absolutely need a, a Utopia Sprawl where abundant growth will probably just be fine or wild growth or, yeah. or what have you. But there are sometimes like when I built flesh taker, I just love the card so much that me personally, I wanted it to have good versions, fancy versions, whatever you want to call it of the cards that are in the deck. So there's no proxies in there. There's foils where I could afford them, foreign language cards, yada, yada, yada. But when I'm just building a deck, like I'll just build a deck. If I need a deadly dispute, I'll try to think of a deck that, oh, you know, I probably have one in, in Mr. Orfeo. So, oh, it's not in there. Where is it? I don't know. I'll just, like you said, I'll just scroll it, write it down on a blank token and yeah. shove that in the deck. So I don't really have too much of a budgetary concern when it comes to that sort of thing. But at the same time, I don't just rush out and buy a card that I need for a deck that I'm not really sure I'll play more than two or three times. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's where I'm in. All, worst comes to worst, so I'll just proxy it. You know, I'll either draw something on a token or you know on a blank card or i'll print it up cut it out and shove it in a sleeve on top of a basic land what do you think dave how big's your budget here um i am kind of a, a weird person to ask this question because i <laughs> i i come from like 
unreasonably fortunate circumstances when it comes to Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. I started playing in 95, and I played a lot in 95. I bought a lot of product back then. Uh, but mm-hmm. more than that, my father got into the game. And my father in 95 was in his 40s with a lot of disposable income. So starting with sure. about Urza's Saga, I think. My dad would buy a a case of every standard set that came out, and he would put mm-hmm. together a set. And he he has his his entire collection is sorted by set, by color, mm-hmm. by collector's number, basically. And so he has you know he's got this pile of like twenty skull clamps sitting around, like you know he's got a pile <laughs> of muddle the mixtures. He's he probably sure. has twenty rhystic studies. Uh, I know for a fact he has thirteen Gaia's cradles. So like, oh my god! No, yeah, his his, his deck is he's got an Alpha Shivan Dragon. Like the the man is. Oh, <laughs> he, he goes hard. So like, and and I I ha- I also have like a very sizable collection that goes back to the mid nineties. So mm-hmm. uh, every time I put a deck together, like mostly I have all of the cards I need ready to go. There there are some cards that I've just sort of like run out of. Like my my stack of muddle the mixtures ran empty a couple months ago, so I had to buy a a, a handful more of those so I could put them in future decks. Like when yeah. when I have you know ninety decks put together, like there there's some stacks of these cards that I'm I'm gonna run out of. Yeah, you're bound to run out of something. Yeah, so like I do I do occasionally will will throw money at getting replenishing some of these like stapleish cards. But yeah, for the, for the most part, I I budgetary concerns are not really a problem for me although i mentioned at the start of this episode that i put together my sicarian infiltrator deck and i when i was going through my collection to pull out cards for it i realized that i was down to my last might stone and the only ashnod's altars i had left were in my set of chronicles and i didn't want to pull them out of the set so i did what liam and and brad have described i just took some of the old mdfcs the the blank Yep. MDFC proxies, and I just wrote Mightstone and Ashnod's Altar on them, and I, I threw those in the deck instead, and that that bothers me not at all. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm same here. I'm happy to proxy these things that I'm running out of, and I have most everything else I need. So yeah, I I do not often concern myself with budget things. Excellent, and that's not because you're just like floating in cash. You know what no, I mean? No, you, <laughs> you built your collection. You know, like you I, have the cards. I. There are cards that I bought in the '90s that are worth a lot of money now, but like I yeah, sure, sure, sure. Like if 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 tragedy ever befalls me, I can dip into this as like an emergency fund. But like as it, as it stands, I <laughs> don't beautiful. <laughs> I don't ever plan to like sell any of them. So like the the monetary value of some of these things is like oh hey that's that's cool, put it back in the binder. Like it stays there. Like uh-huh. I'm not right, like right. I'm not interested in selling this. Like I, I don't desperately need cash right now. It's just kind of a cool thing to to own and talk about and. That is that is awesome. I don't like I was saying I don't have my collection from back in the day, but I just I love hearing about people's cards from back then because I played with them all. I had them all. My friends had them all. We had a table full of cards. We would just play these huge games, and I don't know. I just don't have them anymore. If you'd like, awesome. If you'd like to hear something heartbreaking, um, the story of the terrible decision that we made in the '90s was Magic came out in '93. Mm-hmm. In like it immediately spawned a bunch of like copycat games like everyone and their mother was creating sure, yeah, a, oh yeah. a, a, their own tcg in the late 90s trying to like break into this industry that had just like exploded and uh one of my dad's co-workers at the time this was a guy who got into magic instantly he had a full set of alpha full set of beta unlimited 
the dark legends, Arabian Nights, and antiquities. He had a full set of each of these. And at that time, in like 95, I think, Decipher announced that they were going to release and market a Star Trek TCG. And a, mm-hmm. and a co-worker of my Everybody. dad's, this, this co-worker who had all these sets, he was like, this is Magic's death knell. Magic is not going to survive. Like, Star Trek is so popular. Like, it's already got oh, all oh, the nerd oh, cred. No, I'm no. selling all of this. I will sell all seven of these sets to you. Alpha, Beta, Unlimited, uh, Arabian Nights, Antiquities, The Dark, Legends. I will sell all seven of these full sets to you for $5,000 so that I can invest that money into the Star Trek TCG. And my dad no, was like, five grand is a lot, man. I'm going to I'm gonna pass. <laughs> Like, can you imagine having uh, three three black lotuses? Like, yeah. Um. So, oh god. So, like, when you when you hear that is when you hear about my dad having like a lot of guys' cradles, like, uh, yeah, like that's that's definitely nice. But like, we also made garbage decisions as well. Like, oh, sure, (laughs) sure, sure, sure. The Legends card that I invested like three months of my allowance into at the time was firestorm phoenix which was Beautiful. thirty dollars <laughs> in the 90s and is still thirty dollars right so like yeah not all of our decisions were wise but they were the decisions we made and i i still have that firestorm phoenix i love it yeah that's beautiful yeah all right did, did we all answer that i think we did mm-hmm. yep all right we're gonna move on to our last question here it's actually a double question from MC Dubo and Trent907 on Twitter. Trent, Trent YN907 on Twitter. As someone that restricts commander options to legends only, they're really hoping for more three, four, and five color options. Do we share the similar hope? And also, aside from relatively powerful value engines in the command zone like Risen Reef and Corpse Knight, do you think that with the push for uncommon legends in the past two or three years that most decks can be helmed by an actual uncommon legend rather than by an uncommon a little bit of a two-parter all right mm-hmm. i'll take the lead on this one yeah okay. go for it so to answer the first part of that i would not mind seeing more three or four color commanders in general the limited number of options that we have is saddening uh despite the the power excitement that some of those individuals might instill in bios i think the fact that there are so few of them is saddening and then for the other half of that question, with the push for more uncommon legends, I I do think that most decks could be reasonably helmed by a legend. And when I say that, and, and putting decks in quotes, I mean X color combo paired with Y reasonable strategy or archetype for the colors. For example, Boris Equipment, Cynic Glands, Grixis Spells, Mono Black Control, like the the common color and archetype pairings that you will run into at any level in magic i think there are uncommon legends that could reasonably helm those strategies however i think part of the term of pdh is the wackiness of some of the stuff that we get like mono black voltron or is it go wide tokens and i think the fact that these strategies are able to thrive amongst the the quote normal decks and with the inherent power level of the format is a good thing and mono black voltron and is it go wide tokens are not something you can do with legendary creatures so i think that while there should be more legends printed at uncommon uh in the three and four color spot i don't think we should push for to to replace the current rule and i do think that most common archetypes could be helmed by a legend but 
not every deck can be helmed by a legend because there are definitely uncommon creatures that don't have a legendary comparison at any rarity. Yep. And I think that's an important thing to distinguish is that there, there are certain decks, if we switch to legends only, that would just die because there is no replacement for them. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I agree with basically everything that Liam has said. I hope that we continue to get more legendary uncommons. I think that they're super cool. I would love to see more of them in three colors. I'm not sure about four colors or even five colors. I would just like to but... see more four-color legends. I don't care what rarity yeah. they're at. Four-color yeah. four <laughs> legends are really tricky to do. I, I, think I, that the, yeah. I think that the ones we got in that Commander Precon a few years ago were like really nice, but like I I think that if Wizards tries to do more of those, they're going to... They're going like to go off the rails in a hurry. Yes, they will. So, like, I, agree. I, I would love some three-color legendary uncommons. I think that we the the, the ones we got in uh, Streets of New Capenna were very cool. I would love to see more of that. Mm-hmm. The flip side of this is that I there's a there's a very cynical part of me that worries that the reason we had this massive surge in uncommon legendaries is that Wizards has this like nefarious master plan to like in a year or two after there's even more uncommon legendaries they're going to roll out this brand new format called Pauper Commander <laughs> and they're going to like helm the rules committee and they're just going to like completely bulldoze all, everything we have done and they're going to enforce this legends only rule I I would be devastated I, if that happened. Yeah. I don't think people would follow that. I, I think there's too many entrenched PDH I, players to be like, no, I, no, we got it. I hope as, so. We got our own rules. As, we got it. I as hope someone who used to religiously only build legends, and by used to, I mean like three months ago, <laughs> and, and now I've built several non legend decks, I would be upset at that bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think. Oh, I would definitely be upset if that happened, for sure. I, th- I would not follow Watsi's rules, but I would be upset. Mo- yeah. Most of me sort of like doesn't believe that it's going to happen because I like I think that like I don't think there's any money to be made by by wizards doing no. the pauper commander thing. So I, I feel like not. that's really good. At, like they're business first. I think that would be a really yeah. good incentive for them to just not to just leave us alone, you know. So like I yeah. I, I don't think it's going to happen. There's the, the only. It's it's the cynic in me that that's worried about it, and it, it seems like oh, no, I'm with yeah. you. They've been fairly unpredictable lately. Um, to answer the other question, do I think that most decks can be helmed by an actual uncommon legend? Categorically, no, I do not. Yeah. I think that Liam, I was I was I was kind of worried about Liam's answer at first when he was like, yeah, maybe, but then you know he clarified he's <laughs> he's talking about archetypes. Like I think yeah, I think archetypes. that Liam is absolutely correct that. If you choose an archetype, you can find a legend that will support that archetype. Mm-hmm. I think that there's there's dozens, if not hundreds, of uncommon creatures that just have absolutely nothing even close to them as a as a legendary. And if you say that those things, uh, if you say if you try to restrict it to legendaries only, you're going to lose like all of those, and the the format diversity will suffer catastrophically. Yeah, I was going through just the decks that I have built, and I I made a list, and I'm not going to read the list because we're already at like hours here, and I yeah. I don't want to I want to I want to I want to make sure our editor has a slightly easier time with this, but uh, <laughs> it's a long list. I have many many non-legendary commanders that could not be replaced with a legend, sure. and that that's that's just amongst the decks that I have built. Like if you if you look at you know other people who have built other decks, like you're gonna find a lot more than that. And yeah, 
I think that I think that we would lose a lot by trying to restrict things yeah, to only it, only legends. You know, and most of those come from older uncommon creatures. Mm-hmm. Like there's just no no legendary that compares to certain ones we have from from back back in the day as it as it were. Yeah. Like Marshcroc, I think um, is a really good example like Marshcroc. We yeah. we're... and I I can't think of the name but like the commanders we have that have an untap ability. Oh, Gilderbaron? Yeah, yeah. There you go. I don't think there's a legendary pure, comparison. Pure Sight Marrow. Is there? No, no, nothing Nothing legendary has an untap ability. Right, so just stuff like that, I don't, you, you can't You can't replace. Yeah, Hazra Oddsmaker. I would cry for days if we lost Hazra Oddsmaker and any of the guild mages. <laughs> like the guild mages, the apprentices, the, the, the loyal cycle, like loyal apprentice, <laughs> like... That's that's such a weird card for us because it was never designed to be a commander. But like when when it satisfies <laughs> its own commander condition, it's like beautiful, you end up right? with a card that like wizards would never have printed that at uncommon if it activated the itself. All that the lieutenant, that's yep. the ability. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I don't need to go too in depth on this. I pretty much agree with both of you guys. I think we're all on the same mindset. Like wizards is not going to stop printing legendary creatures, and I think that's clear. Obviously, in the last year or so, plus all the cards they've printed that care about other cards being legendary. Like it's just the legendary train's not going to stop anytime soon. I don't think, but I hope they don't pay attention to popper commander. <laughs> and, you know, as far as I, I would love, personally, I would love more, not a ton more. We, we don't need to get flooded with them, but I would love more three color options. Like you said, Dave, four colors would be very difficult. I, I, you know, I've listened to a couple different, uh, drive to work tomorrow markers water podcast where he talks about that how difficult four color factions or what have you would be to design so I, i'd be fine with i don't know two more cycles maybe of three color commanders for a while yeah then i could take it or leave it if they gave us more five color options i don't really play with those a whole lot anyway so uh, that's that's where i stand on that and then yeah i'm with you guys too i don't think there's just there, Dave said it the best. There's just so many uncommon creatures that have no parallel in the legendary category. So I think I think when it comes to the three colors, because we had we had a lot of shard commanders, and then we got I think it was like two or three more for each color combination in Capenna. I think if we had you know we mm-hmm. we have one for every wedge combination except that random extra saltai one. I think yeah. if we got another three color set that was wedge themed. And we got two to three commanders per wedge combination. We would be solid for a, you know, yeah, at least half a decade yeah. before needing anything that, new. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be that'd be totally great. Perfect. I would be on board with that 100. Mm-hmm. percent You talk about the next half decade as if five years from now, Magic isn't going to be releasing a set every other week. You don't even. <laughs> I'm done. Stop. <laughs> it's be a new set for every every F and M is going to have a new set. Yeah, yeah honestly, Stan, standards going to change weekly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. God, that's so not far from being the truth. <laughs> uh, I just and yet I'm so yet. scared of the precedence of five standard sets from last year. I'm terrified of the precedence of a thousand dollar booster packs. That too. Oh, they're ugly too. God, they're so ugly. Oh, okay. Anyway, moving <laughs> <laughs> uh, on. <laughs> All right. Well. That- pretty much wraps up everything got about two hours covered here that's awesome uh yeah got through the questions got through the main topic wish list all that good stuff we shall move into the outro but 
If you need anything else before the next episode, you can always email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. Of course, you can head on over to PDH Homebase's website. That'll take you to their Discord server. Liam and I are on Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B, respectively. And Dave is everywhere else PDH is being talked about. I'll put all those show all those links down in the show details. And then one more thing. Actually, two more things. But first... If you can't get enough of us and you really want to support the show, we are on Patreon now, patreon.com slash thepdhpod. You can join Fridge, Patrick, Too Much Do, and Scarecrow with all their awesome support. They get behind-the-scenes content, including pre-shows and early access to our episodes. So check that out. It's a good time. It starts at a buck a month, I think. So mm-hmm. I think that's fairly reasonable. And then, Liam, you want to touch on the uh, Rags the Riches tournament real quick? Yeah, absolutely. We have... Once again, we're talking about the Rags to Witches PDH tournament hosted by uh, Dallas Walker Nash at Gilded Adonis on Twitter. Uh, this event is located at Queen Rook Games in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It is October 23rd, so it's at noon local time. $10 entry fee with up to $350 of prizes, and the top table splits a set of the 40k EDH decks. We're going to talk about it again next week, but you should really sign up for this because I am busy that weekend, but... I want to go to the second one, so I need this one to be really successful. Give them, give them a reason to make a second one. Exactly. I, I think I, I, I might, I might be misremembering this, but I think I saw Dallas post something in one of the Discord channels about how it was getting close to full. Ooh, so, that's awesome. yeah, I'll have to reach out to him on Twitter and see what's going on. Yeah. So if I mean that would be awesome. If I'm completely wrong about that, then my apologies to Ellis. <laughs> I I I might have I only kind of glanced at it and I was like, oh okay, and then I looked away. But if that is true, then that's excellent news for Liam, who wants big yes. success to fire again. It's bad news if you're listening to this four days from now and wondering, thinking I'm going to go sign up. It might already be full. Get your registration done soon. Yeah. It'd be really bad news if you just drove out there expecting to get in. Yeah. And it's full. Yeah. So definitely check it out first. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it should be an awesome event. I'm excited. Yeah. But yeah, that pretty much brings episode 19 of the PDH pod to a close. But one last thing, we'd like to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music, as always, for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, make your own wish list, I guess. And we'll see you in a week. Peace. Cheers. See ya. I brought proper text at the party. Proper. I brought proper text at the party.